Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. What a great day to be in church. Better to be in here than out there. I have a few things I want to say before I speak, and that's a line that my grandfather used often, but just some things I have to, to say. Mariah and Teresa, just so thrilled to see you baptized this morning. They were part of our rooted group, and, and I know that Pastor Ben already mentioned it, but if you haven't gone through rooted yet, it will change your life. Uh, this will now be the, the sixth time that Denise and I have had the privilege of leading a rooted group coming in September here. And uh, how many people have been in, in rooted? How many people think that it, is, it, it has transformed your life and uh, brought you closer to the Lord? So you see these hands. If you haven't been in rooted yet, you gotta, you got to sign up. I also... As we were in worship this morning, this came to me, and I know that it's for someone here this morning. You are beloved by the Father. You may struggle with it. You may have not understood. I've, I've been blessed in such a way, and I've, I've said this many times, that I have never known a time in my life when I didn't know that I was loved. And that's only by the grace of God. I, I was born into a family that loved me. And then I got married. And uh, there's never been a day that I didn't know that Denise loved me. And so, but I know that that's not the experience for everyone. And, and the Lord is saying to you, even if you're struggling with whether or not you are loved, he loves you so much, very much. And, and just, just, just don't fight it any longer. You may not have experienced love in, in, in other places, in other people, but the Father loves you. Father, we just ask you to, to touch people uh, this morning. Lord, give them a sense of your love. Give them a sense of your presence like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm excited. Um, to preach. I'm always excited to preach, but I'm really excited to preach today because there's, there's something about this message that I believe will apply to everyone who is here today. From those that don't know the Lord to those that have been walking with the Lord for 60 or more years, there's something that the Lord has for us today. The, the message is, is called Start Well and Finish Well. And it's really difficult to finish well if you don't start well. I want to kind of set things in motion today by going back to my childhood. I was eight years old, 1965, and I got a, a, a timeout with my parents to go out to dinner and go to a movie. Not only my parents, but my dad's boss and his wife were there as well. My younger siblings, they had to stay home with the babysitter, but I got to go out, eat steak at a, at a steakhouse, and then we went to the Loma Theater. Now, for those of you that are under 50, you may not remember the Loma Theater, but the Loma Theater at one time sat 1,200 people. 
one big theater, the CinemaScope, widescreen. It was quite an experience to go to a movie. Well, in 1965, the movie was The Sound of Music. And I also need to add that we didn't go to many movies because until we moved to California, I don't think I'd ever been in a theater. Once we got out here, you know California's a little bit li more liberal than the rest of the country. But where I came from, we're in Minnesota, and in my family, we didn't go to the theater. And there's some others of you that have had the same experience. But the movie began, and, and soon into the movie, Julie Andrews begins to sing, and it goes something like this. Let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. To read, you begin with ABC, and to sing, you begin do re mi and so you know th that was one of my first experiences in the movie but movies but what i what i got out of that and what has stayed to me to this day is that let's start at the very beginning and there's so many things in life that are so important to start at the beginning um Try entering a race and not starting at the beginning. I know that there are people that have done it, that they've taken the taxi cab and gone to just before the finish line and got out and ran and, and, and claimed victory, but that's not really going to cut, cut, uh, cut it well with uh, God. He doesn't, he doesn't allow you to cheat. Um, what about watching a movie or reading a book? Isn't it always better to start at the beginning? Although some movies you start at the beginning and you turn it off, but that's another story. What about building a piece of furniture from Ikea? If you don't follow the instructions, I almost guarantee you that you are going to take it apart again and go back and start again and have to follow the instructions. All right, Emmy, do you agree with me on that? Well, God wants us also to start at his begin, not at his beginning, but at the beginning of his word. And in the beginning of his word, these four words, I believe, are the most important words that have ever been written. Now, there may be words that are more loved. I mean, we love John 3:16, for God so loved the world. But I submit to you this morning that there is no more important word, four words, than in the beginning God. If you get that things will begin to make sense to you. Things will fall into place. If you struggle with that, those four words, in the beginning, God, there's going to be a lot of things in life that will not make sense to you. You will not be able to, to reconcile uh, life as a Christian with what the world is telling you if you do not understand that these are important words. So I want to expand on that, but first let us pray. Father, I just ask you right now to, to organize my thoughts and, and allow me to convey what you have put in, in my heart in a way that will communicate uh, your truth to these beloved people. Lord, I thank you that you have given me the opportunity. Uh, like, like Jeremiah, there is fire in my bones and I've got to preach. But, Lord, I just pray that I will communicate effectively and that uh, those that have ears to hear will hear. Lord, we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John, in his gospel, 
I, I kind of like to think of the first verses, first verse in, in the Gospel of John as a commentary on Genesis 1-1. John begins his Gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And later on in verse 14 it says, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of glory and grace. And boy, when we get, we start to read that, I don't know about you, but I get excited. I'm trying to not be distracted by the, the raindrops that are falling in front of me here. But, but that's all good. It's under warranty, right? <laughs> so, as we understand these four words, it, it changes everything. We look, look at, at the world and what it tells us. And the, 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 there's many people that will say, well, Genesis, you can't believe it. It's just a myth. But when you begin with that, you begin to understand that God had a plan, God had a purpose, and God took the world and he formed it with his word. Not only did he form it with his word, he holds everything together by his word. And so when we get a hold of that, it changes everything. It allows us to have freedom. It allows us to have trust because if we believe that and we believe that he created everything and we believe that he holds everything together by his word, then what's our little problems to him? And so we look at things and one of the things that we may struggle with is that, you know, the world tells us that so many billions of years uh, have taken place since the beginning of the universe and frankly I don't know if a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day I don't understand that but it doesn't matter to me because I know that in the beginning God God could have pulled a tr trick on those who are wise um, when I was young my my mom got this piece of furniture and she wanted it to look like an antique so she had my dad apply this specific paint that made it look older than it really was don't you think for a moment that God wanting to confound the wisdom of the wise could have just said I'm gonna fool them all I can speak the world's into existence creation into existence in seven days but I'm gonna make some people think that it's much older because they think they're so smart and so he takes the end the divine antiquing kit and he applies it to the world. And now we understand everything because God spoke it into being by his word. And just as incidental, um, I think that I'm not really as old as I appear to be, but God's <laughs> using his antiquing kit on me. We need to understand some things as a foundation. If we believe that, those are really foundational words for us. Um, Paul said this about, about the um, foundation that we have. And I'm skipping out of order here. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. When we understand that he's the one upon whom we can build our lives... He's, I talked about the importance of starting. There is no other starting place that will be effective for us except the foundation of Jesus Christ. And if we build our life on anything else, it is doomed to failure. And you say, well, how can we understand all this? And how, how can you know about the creation and all of, all of these things? Well, it's only by faith. 
Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And those that come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to believe his word. That is the foundation upon which I have built my life. That is the foundation upon which I encourage everyone to build their lives because there is no other foundation other than the one that is laid, Jesus Christ. To have, to build something that will endure for eternity, you must have a solid foundation. A song that we sing around here, we've been singing it for a while now, is Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. For those of us that are a little bit older, we may relate more to on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. <laughs> you know, someone asked me, why, why do you sing in, in, in your messages? I said, why not? <laughs> But in reality, I, I pointed this out. I said David was a poet and a musician. And so much of what David wrote resonates with us. And so why shouldn't I sing? There's a song in my heart. Well, we want to talk about starting well. We want to talk about building a firm foundation. But Jesus talked about wise and foolish builders. And the foolish builder hears what Jesus said, but then ignores it and builds his house right on the ground. And I have something here. My youngest daughter was here in the first service. Well, actually, both my daughters were here in the first service. But my daughter moved out of our home about a year ago, and she left behind this tray of leftover pottery projects that didn't quite make it. And as I was looking and uh, thinking about the, this message, and uh, this is maybe the first time in a very long time that I've used any props when I've preached. I saw this and I said, ooh, this is the perfect base for illustrating what happens if you try to build on something that is not a solid foundation. You got pieces of clay, you got some toys, some blocks, you got a bunch of stuff in here. Um, I don't know what this was intended to be. <laughs> but I have some blocks here, and I know these blocks are approved for use in church because I saw pictures from the women's event uh, last month, and they were using them to play a game. <laughs> I'm using the, the same blocks to uh, illustrate something. So I've got a few here. If you try to build something in here, can't get you know, yeah, okay, you get the first two in, you start to get things in, and, and pretty soon, you know, it won't stay in place. Never mind that Jesus said that you can build a house on the ground, but it's when the, when the storms of life come, when, when the trials come that it won't stand, but this house won't even stand just because it's built on garbage. Um, my daughter was a little bit offended when I called <laughs> it garbage, but she's not here for this service. So the ideal 
Jesus said, the, the wise builder hears his words and digs down yeah. deep, yeah. finds out where that base is, where that rock is, where, the, where there's solid footing. I know, Pastor, you, you built a house a few years ago, and it may not have been on the rock, but you had to have soil inspectors come out. You had to have people ensure that, that the base, that, that the ground was stable and solid. Well, we need a solid foundation in order to build our lives. Anything less than that is doomed to collapse. Maybe not, it doesn't even take a storm. It just takes a little bit of rain. So we won't empty this out because I don't want to take the time. But let's just pretend that we have, we have repented. We have confessed of those things that, that have been hindrances in our lives. And by the way, not everything was bad. Some things were, were, were useful in their, their, in their own way. In fact, Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3. He begins to list all of the things that he were, that were accomplishments to him. Some were, were the family in which he was born, but, but he had a great education. He had accomplished things. He said beyond many of his contemporaries, he, he excelled. But he said, I count it all but garbage in view of the fact that I know Jesus Christ my Lord. So we, we get down to the base here. We, we build it. And once we, we have a base, we can begin to build our life. And we build it block by block. Things like the authority of Scripture, the, the, the claim of Jesus that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so we begin to understand as we are growing in Christ and we, we build and we get a couple more blocks here and we build our life. But then Paul said to the Galatians, you were running so well. What hindered you? And so all of a sudden, you see something. I'll find something here. You find something. It could have been a hurt. It could have been a disappointment. It could have been a failure. It could be that a son or daughter announces that they are gay or lesbian. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the building that you were building doesn't make sense anymore because you try, you try to put more things in place and they're just not going to work. It's, you try to put that one in and it's just not... It's, it's unstable. And, and so you begin to look for reasons. You, you, this is something that you almost see as, as insurmountable. What are you going to do about it? And what I have sadly seen is that people will try to explain things away by saying things like this. And hold on for a second. You know, Paul really didn't understand. When Paul wrote his letters, he didn't really understand the concept of a loving same-sex couple. Or, you know, he was, he was a secret homophobe. Or something like this. You know, Jesus never, never said anything against homosexuality. So they begin to uh, dis 
assemble the rest of, you know, the, the authority of Scripture. It goes in the garbage heap. The, the exclusive claim of Jesus Christ, and so forth and so on, and soon there's nothing left except that the, the, the original problem, which was something that didn't fit the scriptural view, the godly view, and so uh, they call that these days deconstruction. They deconstructed their faith. And sometimes all they're left with is something that they try to explain, they try to figure out, they try to say, well, how do I fit this in? How do I, how do I build my life on this? And you can't. And as I was, as I was preparing, and I, I said this in the first service, had I preached last week when I was supposed to preach, I might have had a different way of looking at this. But I got a bit of conviction because I said, you know, I, I, I know the truth here. I've been preaching the truth for 45 years now. And, and, and I'm confident that in the word of God. I believe it's the foundation upon which we need to build our lives. But I look at this and I say, well, you know, they got it all wrong. Or, or I begin to, to, to pull myself back and say, instead of, what can I do to minister to someone in this situation? I begin to get a little bit pharisaical. Remember what the Pharisee, when he was in the temple, he looked at, at a tax collector and other people, and he says, thank God that I'm not like them. And so if, if I'm not careful, I begin to become judgmental, and I begin to in my own structure, and I won't build this again, but I begin, maybe it's not the same one, but it's another piece of garbage is now on the building that I'm building. And my life and my ministry are hindered because I am looking at things not from the way Jesus looked at things. Jesus looked at people with compassion. One of my favorite favorite portions of scripture and maybe someday I'll get to preach on it we're not begging here or anything but I love uh, I love to preach um, Mark chapter 6 this is the chapter where Jesus has fed the 5,000 this is the this is the chapter where uh, this is uh, kind of like a highlight in his ministry but he, he and the disciples are weary they have been ministering to people all day long and so they get in the boat and they go to the other side. But you know what? There were people waiting for them there. When is he going to get some rest? But he could have said, well, let's pull away from here and go someplace else. But he didn't. In Mark 6, 34, it said Jesus got out of the boat. And he looked at these people. And it said that he was moved with compassion. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when... When we begin to see things that way, and I want you to know something about that crowd that was out there. They had all the problems we've got and probably more. They probably had people that were abusive to their children. They probably had people that had been abused. They, they had everything, everything, and they probably had people that were cheating on the spouse. He probably had all these, but it doesn't say he selected some and he had compassion on some. It indicates that he had compassion on the entire crowd and he was moved with compassion. 
and he began to teach them many things. I want my heart to be like Jesus. Yes, there is truth, and we need to stand, and we do not compromise what God has said. We do not try to modify it to fit some preconceived idea or anything else. We don't even modify it to, to, to uh, fit our, our hurts and our sorrows. We come back to the Word of God, and that's how we build our lives. Jesus, in Luke 19, he was coming into Jerusalem probably for the last time. And it says that he wept as he looked out over the city because it says that you did not know the time of your peace. You did not know that the, 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 this, this was the time I'm visiting. This is the time that could have changed everything. You're going to have sorrow. They did not know that 30 years later, 40 years later, that, that Jerusalem would be entirely destroyed. Now is the time to have compassion on our world because our world is lost. But we don't do it from an attitude of the Pharisee saying, I thank God that I'm better than all the rest. We do it with humility. We do, do it with, with the heart of Jesus. Have this same attitude that was in, the, in you that was in Christ Jesus, it says in Philippians 2. Uh, we need to understand that yes the world has problems yes there is sin in the world but if we're not careful we'll put this a sin or, or something worse on ourselves and we will be unable to fulfill God's purposes for our lives I'm way off the notes <laughs> so we have to clear away the rubble have a little bit of an illustration um, that when in 1895 Klaus Spreckels and you may have heard the name Spreckels because it's all over San Diego Oregon Pavilion there's a theater downtown he was a multi-millionaire one of the richest men of the time and he wanted to build a building in San Francisco and what he did astounded his friends and his critics alike he spent a lot of money before he even went one foot in the air because he dug down first he dug down to the foundation he dug down to bedrock and that's where he laid the foundation of his building 11 years later there's this thing called the San Francisco earthquake you may have heard of it but it destroyed the city most I think 90% of the buildings were flattened here he was. It was the tallest building west of the Mississippi, and yet it stood standing because he followed this principle. If you are going to build something that lasts, you build it on the foundation. So we need to build on the foundation. We need to deal with the distractions. But we said in the beginning that this was about starting well it is also about finishing well and I'm closer to the finish than some and not as close as others but at one point or another we all are going to finish this race we are all going to finish this life in Hebrews chapter 11 a wonderful chapter uh, it's filled with with accounts of those who finished well. I know that it's called the chapter of faith, but I like to think of it as those who finished well. 
you have someone like Abraham who probably was tested in ways that we can't even imagine. He had to wait for the promise. He had to wait for the promise of an heir. And then when the heir came, God asked him to give him up, to sacrifice him. But God came through. God provided the sacrifice. You have Moses. Moses, who, although he was saved as an infant by his mother putting him in a reed basket, and the Pharaoh's daughter took after him, took care of him. He was raised in luxury. He was raised with all the riches of Egypt. But it says that he chose to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. These are, this is what we're talking about with faith. We're talking about people who went against culture. They went against the way that everybody says. I'm sure there were people that told Abraham to give up. It's not going to happen. So we have the heroes of faith. And later on in the chapter, there's some unnamed heroes of faith that gave up their life for the cause of Christ. We don't know their names, and there have been thousands more down through history who we do not know who they are, but they have sacrificed everything, including their lives, to stay faithful to Christ. And Hebrews 12 begins this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, now, who are those cloud of witnesses? It's everybody that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11, plus many more. I believe that my grandparents and father are, have joined that great cloud of witnesses. You know people that have been faithful in their lives to Christ who are in that great cloud of witnesses. They are up there cheering us on. You can make it. You can do it. When we feel struggle, struggles and we feel like giving up, we need to remember that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We're going to finish well. And let me tell you one thing else about finishing well is that whether you are 10 years old or 90 years old, you want to aim for finishing well. You want to aim for that. You want to make it, even if you're young in Christ, you want to say that I'm, I'm determined. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. You're just lucky I didn't sing that song to But... Here's the thing. When things come into our lives, and they will, hurts come into our lives, disappointments come into our lives, even, even sin comes into our lives. What we need to do, G G excuse me, John said in 1 John 1 9, he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to just, uh, to, to, forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to get rid of this as quickly as possible, as soon as it comes to our mind, so then we can begin building our life again. I don't want to be among those who give up right before the end. The racer who, who, who gets tired in the marathon at mile 26 with only a few yards to go. I don't want to be the one who gives up short of the goal. I am pressing on, and I want each one of you to press on. But to press on, we sometimes need to give up some things. We need to lay aside. This is what he goes on to say. 
we, he says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, the, the new living says, let us strip away everything that slows us down and the sin that so easily trips us up and run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is not only the foundation, he's not only the solid rock on which we build our life, he's also the goal to which we are striving and achieving. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. We need to strip away everything that slows us down. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, who is, he initiates, he's our rock, he's our foundation, and he is the perfecter of our faith. Will you stand with me? As the worship team is coming forward, one more song, okay? All to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him, in his presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Are we willing today? to strip away anything that hinders us. We can start well, we can start well, but as we've seen, that starting well is not a guarantee that we will finish well. We need to be in a constant state of surrender. As a pastor, the devil's always trying to tell me, well, you, you know, you failed in that message. You didn't really hear from God. Or, you know, you really are something. He'll go both ways. Whatever he can do to get us having our eyes off of Jesus and onto ourselves or onto our circumstances, we need to be in a state of surrender each and every day. We need to be willing to say, God, as the psalmist said, search me and try me and see if there be any hurtful way in me. And if we do that, I guarantee that he will enable us to finish well. And so the question for, I said that this message could apply to everyone who is here today. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never said yes to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who was there at our beginning, the one who in the beginning, God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, if you have never said yes to Jesus, I want you to come forward right now. I know we, we sometimes close eyes and raise hands, but if you need to give your heart to Jesus, come forward right now. Secondly, you tried building, but you've tried in your own strength, but you never dug down. You never repented of sins. You never gave up on those things that you thought were accomplishments. Hey, I'm pretty good. You never surrendered everything to Christ. 
Now's the time. Don't wait any longer to say, I am going to dig down deep. I am going to surrender everything that is unpleasing to God, and I am going to find that foundation, and I'm going to build my life on the foundation, the only one that will last. If that's you, come on down. And finally, and this should be the rest of us at this point, I said it applied to everyone. If you want to finish well, if you want to be in a, in a position where when something comes into your life that is not pleasing to God, you don't let it linger, you don't try to build around it, you do not try to stay with it and somehow you say, I surrender this, I give this, I repent of this, and I put it in the garbage heap. I want you to raise your hands with me. Now I want you to raise both hands because I've talked about surrender. Friday night at, at, um, at pursuit night, we actually had white flags here. But to surrender, I know some of you have got your hands in different positions. But you know when you're surrendering, you don't surrender in the receive position. You surrender with your hands raised like this. Father, we give our lives to you. We know that, that, that there are times when, when, when we stumble and fall. There are times when, when we're discouraged. But we surrender to your will. We don't want anything of ourselves. We want to finish well. We repent of sin. We don't let things linger because we want there to be nothing between us and our Savior. Lord, today I just pray that, that as you see these hands here, that you would assist us. Lord, in our own strength, we can do nothing, but all things are possible to him who believes. And Lord, we believe that you can take our brokenness, you can take the things that are in our lives, and you can turn them around and use them for your glory. You can use them for your honor. Lord, I just thank you that, that we can come to you in surrender. And you, will, you said, come unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, not rest. We just come to you, Jesus. We thank you for what you have done, and we thank you for what you are going to do. Now turn your hands into a receiving position. Dear Father, we thank you that we can receive your love. We can receive your forgiveness. We can receive your mercy. Pour them out upon us today, Lord. We receive from you the healing that we need for for. The, the soul that has, has been wounded, the soul that has been hurt by things in this world, we turn them over to you. Lord, we are beloved in you, and we celebrate you. We give you praise and honor and glory. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for allowing me to share this morning, Pastor.